0: Peace and mercy is yours from the Triune God. Amen. Today we just got to hear that awesomely weird story of when Jesus casts a legion of demons out of a naked dude and into a herd of pigs. Pigs who then throw themselves over a cliff and drown in a lake. It was this story that made my friend Heather post the following on my Facebook page today. Dear Nadia... How can I get on board with Jesus when so much pork was wasted in the lake? (laughs) Signed, a bacon-loving Christian. (laughs) Which I guess means that the demon-possessed pigs diving off a cliff and drowning in a lake story is one that vegans and bacon lovers can unite around. (laughs) I've confessed this before, but I don't always know what to do when it comes to talk about demons in the Bible, especially when the demons talk and have names and stuff like that. I'm never sure if, like, back then they had exactly the same things going on that we do, but they didn't know about things like epilepsy and mental illness, so they just called it all demon possession, or if maybe there used to be demons possessing people and sort of, like, Polio and smallpox, it's just not something we have around anymore. Or if we do actually still have demons, and it makes it more understandable and controllable for us if we use medical and scientific terms to describe things that possess us. Honestly, I I actually don't know. But I do know that, like many of you, that I have suffered from addictions and compulsions and depression. Things that have gotten a hold of us, making us do things we don't want to, or making you think you love things or substances or people that are really destructive to you. So maybe if that, in part, is what having a demon is, maybe if it's being taken over by something destructive, then possession is less of an anachronism and maybe more of an epidemic. And this week, as I was feeling squirmy about people who talk of evil spirits and demons like they're beings in and of themselves, I remembered that at one point, it felt so much like my depression was a character in my life that it actually felt really good to just go ahead and give her a name. Mm -hmm. I called her Frances, (coughs) since she moved in around the same time as the birth of Frances Bean, Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain's daughter. But I picture my depression, Frances, as Courtney Love herself, like emaciated in her torn vintage nightgown with smeared lipstick. Frances, as I started calling her, first stopped by in my teens and early 20s which was easily written off by my family as just being moody but later when it seemed to when I seemed to increasingly like the same things Francis liked like booze and emotionally unstable boyfriends and self destruction she finally just moved in permanently and she kind of turned my studio apartment into a wilderness she was a terrible roommate She kept the place filthy and always told me really devastating things about myself. For some reason, when she lived with me, I was no longer able to do simple things like shop for groceries. I'd stand for far too long looking at the dairy case, unable to make a decision about yogurt. (laughs) She distracted me so much that I'd forget to eat and then my parents started to worry. One day, my mother Peggy realized that Francis not ever moving out was my problem and suggested I go talk to a nice lady about evicting her. <laughs> She's a bit of a dope fiend, Frances, but it ends up there's one drug that she doesn't like. It's called Welbutrin. <laughs> Two weeks after I started taking it, the bitch was gone. <laughs> But not for good, because now, 20 years later, it seems like she knows how to find me, and sometimes she'll show up unannounced and stay a couple days, even though now I'm into so many things she hates, like sobriety, and exercise, and community, and eating well, and of course, Jesus. So maybe demons having their own names and saying things out loud to Jesus is not so foreign to me after all. I mention this because in our gospel story for today, I think it's interesting that when the demon-possessed man met Jesus at the boat, his demons were scared, and it was them and not the man who spoke up and said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? It's weird, but out of all the characters in the gospels who encounter Jesus, the ones who most reliably know who he is are not the religious authorities and they're not his disciples, they are always the demons. The demons always recognize Jesus' authority, and demons are afraid. So this week I started wondering, were I in the throes of another weird roommate situation with Francis, and Jesus rode up in his boat, and I go to meet him, and Francis said, Jesus, what have you to do with me, Son of the Most High God, would Jesus say, Oh, me? I've got nothing to do with you. Of course not. I think our demons totally recognize Jesus right out of the boat, and our demons are afraid of him, which is why they try to get us to stay away from people who may remind us how loved we are. Our demons want nothing to do with the love of God in Christ Jesus, and so they try to isolate us and tell us that we are not worthy to be called children of God, and these lies are simply things that Jesus does not abide. Maybe the demon of anger knows to steer clear of the gospel, lest you end up forgiving some jackass who you really want to punch in the throat. (laughs) Maybe your demon of inertia knows to avoid Jesus, lest it be cast off a cliff and you have to start showing up in life. Maybe your demon of compulsive eating knows to not listen to Jesus, lest it find itself in a lake, drowning, and you clothed and fully in your body and sitting at Jesus' feet. Maybe your demon of always, always, always having to prove yourself fears Jesus, since if you listen to Jesus and not that demon, you may start really believing that you are already good enough and then you'll have to stop overfunctioning. <laughs> the description of the Gerasene demoniac was a description of someone who was completely isolated, who was out of control and alone and in pain. And if being out of control and alone <clears throat> and in pain <coughs> was what the demon wanted, then I think it makes complete sense that the demon feared Jesus. Because in these healing texts, in almost all of the healing texts, Jesus does not just cure people's diseases and cast out their demons and then say, mission accomplished. He always always is after something more. And that something more is always restoring someone to community. Always. That's where healing is actually completed. Because the healing's never fully accomplished until there is a restoration to community. People are healed of disease and he tells the folks just standing around watching to go get them a sandwich. The widow's son is raised from the dead and he gives him back to his mother. And here the man healed of demons is told to stay with his people and speak of what God has done. In the Jesus business, community is always part of healing. It's interesting to me that when the townspeople saw that the man no longer had demons and was clothed and in his right mind and sitting at Jesus' feet, they did not exactly celebrate this. Instead, they became possessed by their own demon. Did you notice it? The text tells us that seeing this, they were seized with fear and begged Jesus to leave them. Man, that seems like something super familiar to me. Like, if your family seems distant when suddenly you stop hating yourself, or when your friends stopped calling when you got sober, or when I resent my friend who suddenly refuses to gossip with me anymore, life and life abundant just isn't what everyone is seeking, but it's always what God is offering. So, in conclusion, I've never said that to servants! I Okay. So, in conclusion, Are are demons forces that are totally external to us, who seek to defy God? Are they just the shadow side of our own souls? Are they social constructions from a pre-modern era? Bottom line, who cares? I don't think demons are something that human reason can solve. And I don't think demons are something that human faith can resolve. I just know that demons, whether they're addictions or evil spirits, are not what Jesus wants for us. Since basically every time he encountered them, he told them to piss off. Every (laughs) time. And here's the thing. The authority to do just that, the authority to face what tells us lies, to face what keeps us shackled, to face what keeps us out of control, alone, and in pain, and tell it in the name of Jesus to piss off, is an authority that has been given to all of us in baptism. Baptism is as radical as exorcism. So remember our readings from Galatians. For as many of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. There is no longer Jew, nor Greek, slave, nor free, male, nor female, gay, nor straight. Which means you, dear people of God, are clothed with the one whom demons fear. Claim it, and tell those demons to piss off in the name of Jesus. Amen.